Thank you for joining us on our Living Word Christian Center podcast. You're about to listen to one of our guest speakers. Open up your hearts and get ready to receive a word from the Lord. Psalms 105, verse 17 through 22. Amen. I thank my pastor, Pastor Ruben. Amen. Also my wife. Amen. She's sitting here. Amen. January, we will be married 43 years. Amen. 43 years. Amen. Amen. Psalms 105, 17 through 22. The Amplified Version says it, reads it like this. He sent a man before them, Joseph, who was sold as a slave, His feet they hurt with shackles. He was put in chains of iron, verse 19, until the time that his word of prophecy regarding his brothers came true, the the word of the Lord tested and refined him. Said the king sent and released him, the ruler of the people of Egypt, and set him free. He made Joseph Lord of his house and ruler of all his possessions. Let's pray. Father, we're careful to give you all the glory, the honor, and the praise, Lord. Father, I pray you take over, God, right? now, God, that your Holy Spirit will have liberty to do what he needs to do, not what we think he should do or what we want him to do, but what we need. Father, let me step aside, God, and allow you to flow through me, God, as I minister the word this morning, and we come against distractions in the name of Jesus Christ, and everyone said amen and amen. So test and refine, test it and refine. The scripture we read here talks about Joseph, but it said the Lord tested and refine him. Amen. So you may be here this morning going through a test. Amen. As we look into the life of Joseph, we're going to look at the four tests that the Lord allowed him to go through the pit, Potiphar's house. Uh, uh, Then we're going to see how he went to prison and then how he ended up in the palace. Amen. And because sometimes we get a promise from God and we think right away we're going to go there. I mean, no, you have to be tested. And everybody knows, like, with the test, in order to go to the next level, you have to what? Pass the test. See, I lost some of you already because you said I didn't pass no test in school, amen. But how many know the Lord's tests are different, amen? And so here we're going to look at the life of Joseph. The word test, the definition, uh, it's to make, uh, to measure. This is the de- from a regular dictionary. To measure, to check the quality and performance of something. So when the Lord is testing us, it's to measure or to check the quality on how we're serving him. Amen. Because you can say, well, I'm here in church, but you're frustrated and you're angry. Come on. I was getting quiet in here now, huh? <laughs> Who is this guy? You know, right? No, no, but, but see, and the, and the definition of refine means remove impurities or unwanted elements It says a substance typically as part of an industrial process. In other words, it says when God tests us, he's checking our attitude on how we go through the testing. But at the same time, it's to remove impurities or unwanted things in our life that will hinder us down the road that we don't even think of now. Because some of us are going through things here and and, and we're like, man, I don't understand why I'm going through that. And and we're going to find out Joseph went through similar things. And as Joseph went through there, uh, it was because he was obeying his father's orders. His father says, hey, your brothers are out there. Go check on them and see how they're doing. How many know when we obey our father's orders, we're going to be tested? 
If you think because you got saved, everything was going to be uh, beautiful, I'm not going to have to go through nothing, I'm just going to make an altar call, get zapped, and I'm going to live victorious. I mean, you know, it doesn't happen like that. I mean, no, we have to make right choices. You are where you're at today because the choices you made yesterday. Look at your neighbor and tell him now he's going to talk about you. How many know that the enemy is going to challenge us in every step of the way? He's not going to let you have victory. Some of you may be here this morning and you're ready to give up. You're ready to give up your ministry. You're ready to give up your church. You're ready to give up your marriage. You're ready to say, God, I I had enough with my kids. But I'm here to let you know this morning that if the devil is telling you that, the Bible says he is the father of all lies. John 8, 44 says he was a murderer from the beginning. And he does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. It says, when he lies, he speaks what is natural to him, for he is a liar and the father of lies and half-truths. Some of you need to hear that this morning. God's got a great call in your life, but the enemy has been giving you half-truths. Oh, you're not going to do good. How many know that there's a thing called mercy and grace for our lives? And that's the process that we're going to have to go through. And so I'm here to let you know, amen, that God is with you no matter what you're facing, amen. So we're going to look at the life of Joseph. I'm going to give you an overview real quick. From his birth to 17 years old, Joseph's family was in transition. They were going through different things. From 17 through 30 years old, Joseph, he's turning into a man, but then everything comes out of control. That's where his brother sold him. And then his 30 years to death, he lived his last years, years in prosperity. Amen. But Joseph didn't understand that. The life of Joseph is filled with good news and bad news. I mean, our life is like that, too. The good news, amen, that that Joseph was his father's favorite. The Bible says that. That's why he made him a special jacket. Hello, somebody. So parents, when you say you don't have favorites, you're lying, amen, and I just free 99 stuff, amen. Joseph there, his dad, and that's why his brothers were mad at him because he was his dad's favorite. Amen. Jealousy, amen. And his brothers didn't get a coat. Another thing, Joseph was very handsome, the Bible says. He was a handsome dude. Amen. For some of us, uh, you know, hey, it is what it is. Amen. Sorry, you know. The good thing is that Joseph was in prison, and when he was in prison, he met the butler, and they interpret the dream. The butler gets promoted. He goes out, and he tells Joseph, hey, I'll remember you. The Bible says the butler forgot about him for a few years. I mean, you know, sometimes we try to work things out on our own, and it doesn't happen that way. When Joseph was there in prison, all right, I got connections. When you go over here, you tell, all right, they're going to get me out. And the Lord let him forget for two years till they remembered him. Some of you are here this morning and you're trying to do things your own way. Let me talk to the right people. Let me go to the right places. When you still don't understand why nobody has recognized you, it's because God It's testing you, and he wants to refine you. Amen? So when we look at Joseph's life, we know the end. But how many know Joseph didn't know the end? Every part that Joseph went through, he thought that maybe it was over. He thought that maybe that was it. And so sometimes we read a story, and and we know, okay, God came through. 
But we don't feel what Joseph felt when he was going through it. I mean, you know that when you go in the pit, it's one thing to go in the pit and, and the way you feel. And, and, and Joseph's life, we're going to look at all these things. But before we do that, the name of Joseph means Yahweh has added to me. Hallelujah. Here's Joseph. All of a sudden, his dad's favorite and his name means God has added to me. But yet now when we look at Joseph's life, we're going to say like, God, it don't seem like you were adding anything to Joseph's life. He was there in the pit. He went to Potiphar. He went to prison. What are you adding to his life? And sometimes we feel like that. God says, okay, I need to put you over here. And I'm allowing circumstances to happen in your life because I'm refining you. Look at your neighbor and tell him, God is refining you. So sometimes we don't want to be refined because it's too difficult. What do you mean refined? What do you mean I have to pay a price? I, I don't pay full price for nothing. I always go to the clearance rack. How many of you know that? <laughs> I mean, there's no clearance rack with God. Amen. No clearance rack with God. But some of us are used to that. We want to do our own thing and get out and got to say, no, I, I need you. To, I need to refine you. I need to test you. And, and so here we look at Joseph. He's doing all the right things, but seems to be ending up in all the wrong places. How many can relate to that this morning? Maybe in your life you're tired of struggling. You're here and you're doing everything that you know, you're the best that you can possibly do. But now you're facing a place, man, I, I'm tired of struggling like this. I, I'm tired of, of dealing with my flesh because every time I do good, I, I end up doing bad. Maybe it's in your marriage. Maybe you're here and it's like, that's it, I'm done. I'm tired of fighting with each other. I mean, no marriages get like that. You fight, you fight, you fight. Amen. But the makeup part, chill. Amen. That's, that's another sermon. That's a marriage seminar. Amen. But, but, but you, in your marriage, you fight and you fight and you fight and, and that's it. And, and, and you get used to fighting each other instead of fighting the devil. Maybe in your giving, you're tired of borrowing all the time. You live from check to check. I mean, oh, serving the Lord, you don't have to live check to check because God provides everything that you need as long as that, uh, you activate his promises. Let me throw this free 99 stuff in giving. If you're not tithing, how do you expect to get a financial breakthrough? Whatever seed you plant, you're going to get, oh, I'm praying, I'm praying. Yeah, but until you put some money in that offering basket, that seed. And once you plant the seed, pray. But if you haven't planted a seed of finances, why why you pray, oh, God, give me finances, then I'll give. No, no, give what you have now. It starts being faithful in the little. Because uh, when I got saved, I was tight. I made good money. I wouldn't give money to the church. What are they doing with it? Right? Uh, some of you know what I'm talking about. You're there right now, you know. But when I understood the principle of giving and, and when I, I put God, and the Bible says, test me when finances and prove that I will not open the way. So I said, all right, let's go. And then when I did that, I, uh, God started opening doors. And I'm like, wow, this stuff really works. My mind, well, what are they doing with the money? God said, it doesn't matter what they do with the money. My promises are, aren't hinged on what other people do. My promises are hinged on the, your obedience. And some of you just need to be obedient to the word of God. And, and, and instead of going and getting that burrito after, give it in the basket. Amen. Say, God, I'm going to trust you. Amen. Even if your stomach is growling. Maybe some of you feel like giving up in your serving. I'm, I'm, I'm volunteering in the church. I'm serving, but I just don't get along with people. 
then you're in the right place if you don't get along with people because God is saying, okay, I'm testing you and I'm refining you, amen? How many know when the refining comes in, he's going to put us against people that we don't get along with? How can you be refined if you put you with people that you love all the time? He's going to put you with people that you look at them and say, man, and then you start saying uh, phrases like, "You're, you're lucky I'm saved. You got jumped all the time in the world. What are they lucky about, man? You always got beat up. Oh, let's go on. Maybe you're tired because you're saying, I committed myself to the church and I don't see nothing happening. It's because God is refining you. So when we look here at the life of Joseph, we, we see Joseph, he's here, but his heart, he kept it soft all the time. Everything wrong was happening to him, but his heart, he still kept it open to the Lord. And so we're going to say, well, how did Joseph do that? Because remember, Joseph was 17 years old when God gave him his first dream. God gave him a dream, and, and God told him that basically that your brothers are going to be here. They're going to bow down to you. And the second dream, he told him that in verse 9 in Genesis 37, amen. And Joseph went and told his brothers, and the Bible said his brothers hated him more. I mean, when God gives us a promise, sometimes it's not to tell everybody. It's just to keep it and, and, and saturate it in prayer till the right time comes. And at the same time, when God's giving you a promise, how many of people are going to get jealous and hate you? There's some of you here that God's called to reach nations, to go to other parts of the world. That's why he's testing you. That's why he's refining you. That's why people hate you. That's why people are jealous of you. Amen. That's why people talk about you. You know what I tell them? Take a number. Get in line. Take a number. Get in line. I want to bring out four things here. The first one is the pit. This is Joseph's journey. Joseph finds himself in one of the loneliest places possible. Remember, Joseph had that special code. He was favored. He had everything going his way. He was being obedient to his father. Let me go see where my brothers are at. And the Bible says when Joseph started, when the brothers seen him from a distance, they said, oh, there's the dreamer. And they plotted to kill him. See, plaquiasos were back in the Old Testament. Hey, dreamer. <laughs> no, I'm just, I'm just, no, let's go on. So he finds himself in one of the lowest, loneliest places possible and have no idea on how he's going to get out. Have you ever been there? Lonely? You're doing God's work and all of a sudden you're in a pit. All of a sudden, you don't know how you got there. You were just being obedient to the Father. You may be here, come to church, plant yourself, and say, I'm available for ministry. And then nothing's opening up. It's because God has you in the pit because he's testing you. He's refining you. He says, you're a man of God. You're a woman of God. I can see your future, but right now, I have to deal with this stuff. See, in the pit, you're going to experience disbelief. God, I can't believe this is happening to me. How many ever said that? Right? I can't believe God. Disbelief. I can't believe I married them. They weren't like, no, that's another story. Let's go on here. Let's go, let's go on. And he got there just by checking, being obedient to his brothers in chapter 37, 12 through 17. He says, go check on your brother. And it says, when his brothers seen him coming, 
They made plans to kill him, that dreamer. I mean, when people hate you, they, they kill you with your words. If you're here and you're talking bad about your brother and your sister, you're killing them. You need to stop that. I mean, you need to celebrate when God advances them. Amen. Don't hate on them because God is the one that's refining. God is the one that's testing. God is the one that's opening the doors. And if your door is closed, just rejoice and say, God, I'm here, God, but yet you're testing me and I'm going to have a great attitude and I'm going to continue to go forward serving you. See, the amazing thing here is that those that are the closest to you can hurt you the deepest. His brothers. There may be some of you here that, that you've been hurt. I mean, no, there's no pain like the pain of betrayal. Joseph was at a place of disbelief. His brothers took advantage of him. And, and, uh, but I'm here to say every promise you have will be met by disappointment and loneliness. You got to pay a price for that promise. Oh, God, you called me. Oh, I'm going to go here. Man's going to. No, you got to pay a price. Amen. God, I thought you called me. Disbelief. God, I thought you said you can use me. Disbelief. Another thing in the pit is discouragement. Verse 23 said they stripped the robe off of Joseph and threw him in the pit. They took off the robe. The robe represented, man, I'm it. I'm the man. It was taken off him before they threw him in the pit. I don't know if that's not discouraging. Going to his brothers, I'm being obedient, God, doing what you want me to do. I'm highly favored, God. You got me, God. Now you come to a place where they take that off you and they throw you in the pit. He did not feel special anymore. When we get saved, God is there with his grace, his mercy, and he's helping us because we're babies. He's changing our diapers and he's doing what he has to do spiritually. And then he gets to the place where he says, okay, you're on your own. You got to change your own diaper now. Grow up. You got to stop sagging. You got to change them. Yeah. <laughs> it says they sold them for 20 pieces of silver. You know how much money that is? $228. They sold them for $228. I mean, no man will try to negotiate your value, but God has already determined your worth. The enemy may be telling you you're nothing, you ain't got no value in it, but God already paid the price. He already knows your future. He already knows what city you're going to be in. He already knows the breakthroughs that are going to come. He already knows your children are getting saved. He already knows you're going to get healed. He already knows your marriage is going to go to another level. Stop believing the enemy. Another thing you learn in the pit is disappointment. God, I thought you said you called me. Yes. But I still got to test you and refine you. When everything's going good, I'm going to know it's easy to praise the Lord. It's easy. Oh, God, I got you. Just bring it on. Then when he brings it on, like, where am I? I got what's going on. When we went out there, we pioneered. I got an infection in my leg. Then I was, I've been down. About three weeks ago, I really started walking again. They had to cut a hole in my leg about half the size of a golf ball to get the infection out. And so I was just in bed with my leg up. And Pastor Ruben called me, Soto, take it easy. You know, just rest, relax, get your leg healed. Ministry will be there. Take care of your leg. I said, all right, Pastor. 
I was just still nothing I can do, going like a wild man on my bed, you know, in my room like that. My wife staying out of the, my room because I'm going crazy, you know. It's like, just leave him alone, you know. <laughs> He's in God's hands, amen. And, and disappointment, like, what's going on, God? You called me. We got families out there already. Man, God, you're doing great things, God. And God says, no, no, no. I'm still testing and refining your attitude. I mean, it doesn't matter how long you've been saved. You still got to go through the testing. I mean, we'll be serving the Lord over 41 years, and we're still going through the testing. God is still refining us. Amen? Look at your neighbor, Tom. He's still refining you, too, so don't look at me like that. And then in chapter 37, verse 36... Joseph's brothers sold him, and so Joseph thought they were pulling out to help, pulling him out to help him, but they were just pulling him out to sell him. Right. See, not everybody that wants to help you has your, your interest. Some of them got their own interest in it. And here his brother, Joseph, you imagine Joseph, all right, my brother, God, you're faithful. They're taking me out of the pit. I'm discouraged, amen. Uh, I have disbelief. Uh, I'm disappointed. That season is over, God. Yeah, my brothers came to their senses. And then they pull them out, and they sell them to somebody that's connected to Potiphar's house. So Joseph, thinking he was free, ends up in Potiphar's house. And, and, and so in the pit, you learn discouragement, disbelief, and disappointment. In Potiphar's house, you learn to deal with temptation. He was in the pit. He was in home and comfort. Had everything served to him. You come to church, pray, hey, look, I love you, man. I love you. Oh, overlook that. You know, he, he's still a baby in the Lord. She's still a baby in the Lord. But now it's time to grow up, amen. And, and now you got to go and, and get tested, amen. And in the testing, we're refined. And so in Potiphar's house, he learns to deal with temptation. Sometimes we hear temptation and we think, oh, okay, that's just with lust. Let me give you the definition from a regular dictionary. A desire to do something, especially something wrong or unwise. That's temptation. A desire to do something, especially something wrong or unwise. Oh, I don't have to tithe. I mean, no, that's not wise. You're going to have a temptation not to tithe. I mean, no, you're going to have a temptation to quit. This is too hard, man. I just came out of being lonely. I just came out of being disappointed. God, I thought that was it. I was going to go to the mountaintop. Now I'm here in a place, God, where I'm being tested in temptation. Because how many know it keeps coming around? It doesn't matter if you're married. You're still going to get tempted. Oh, some of you are like, oh. And in Potiphar's house, Potiphar's wife tries to seduce him day after day. Genesis 39.10, it talks about that, amen? So now in Potiphar's house, he, he will battle temptation, amen? How do you fight temptation? Because every one of us face temptation. Temptation not to tell that person off that gets you upset. Oh, somebody got to tell him. Oh, Lord, that's going to be me. I'll just ask for forgiveness, right? Some of you know what I'm talking about. Oh, I'm not going to get my tithes here this week. I'll double up next week. You know you're not going to double up. You never double up in your life. What makes you think you're going to do it now? <laughs> so how do you fight with the word of God? Amen. Psalms 119, verse 9 and 11. How can a young man keep his ways pure? Then look at what it says. By guarding it according to your word. Then he says, verse 10, with my whole heart I will seek you. 
Let me not wander from your commandments. Verse 11, I have stored up your word in my heart that I may not sin against you. So he's saying, how do we, by guarding it, how many know how to guard something? Right? That plate of food, right? You guard it. When, right? When you go eat with Pastor Sandoval, you got to guard your plate when he's done eating. Amen? <laughs> Those that know him, you, you know what I'm talking about, amen, because he started looking at your plate. What you got right now? This is mine. I'm guarding it, amen. And, and so it says here, the word of God, we, we have to guard, guard it by guarding it according to your word. How am I going to guard it? I'm not going to do what my flesh wants to do. I'm going to do what the Holy Spirit tells me what to do. And then he says, with my whole heart, I'll seek you. The only way to guard it is seeking him with your whole heart, not half-hearted, not compromising, Oh, I'm going to guard it here on Sunday because I go to church. And then Monday through Friday, you do whatever you want. That's not guarding it. Then look what he says. With my whole heart, I'll seek you. But then he says, let me not wander from your commandments. How many know when we seek him, we don't wander? You ain't got time to wander because you're seeking him. Then he says, I have stored up your word in my heart that I may not sin against you. Amen. Romans 12, 2, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. He says, pleasing and perfect will. So here, Joseph was here dealing with temptation. Joseph could have thought, where's God at? I'm far from home. I'm hated by my brothers. I'm isolated from my father. I used to wear a robe. Now I'm a slave. And a slave is what I'll always be. I'll never have what my father promised me. Amen. And why don't I reach for the little happiness I can get now? I mean, when you're tempted, you feel like that sometimes. Let me just give it up, man. I can't take this marriage no more. Me and my wife went through that. We went through that, you know, man, you, all you're doing is you're at church. When I first got saved, not now, don't look at her now. Don't be mad doggy, my girl. No, no. You know, it, it, we, when we first got saved, it was like that, you know, because I was like, I got to go. No, you leave the house. Don't come back home. You know, and, and, but I was like, you know what? I got to lay a foundation here. I got to put God first, man. You know, this is all I know. And, but at a t- one time I got to the place where, how many know when you fight in a marriage, you're miserable? Until you get to church and you want to hold hands and you grab your wife and she's pulling it. And you're like, don't act up here, girl. I'll, I'll go off, you know. And, and then you come in church and you're like, hey, hallelujah, God bless you. And, you know, you play the part, you know. And, and we would do that. Then I'm sitting in church feeling miserable. And then I, would, I told her, I said, you know what? I might as well go back to the world because I'm miserable in church anyways. I might as well be miserable out there. I mean, no, the devil's good at what he does. I wonder how many marriages are like that right now. That's it. I'm done. Oh, look at you. You're just a hypocrite. Look at the way you are at church now. If they could only see you at home. I mean, no, God sees them at home. God sees her at home. And he still calls her daughter. He still calls him son. He doesn't revoke, amen, the call of God on their life because he sees them at home. He knows the finished product, amen. What you have to do is look at the finished product of your spouse and say, God, you called us. You put us together. We're a power couple. I'm not going to think about the temptation and saying it's over with. Stay faithful, amen, and learn to fight the devil together. Instead of saying, that's it, I'm done. We're not compatible. You'll never be compatible. That's why God put you together. 
See, he could have said, it's not like I have anything else to lose. But in the spirit realm, he could have lost it all at that one moment. That's what you have to understand. When you're getting tempted, you're going to have the spirit in the flesh. If you go hit the flesh, what the flesh wants to do, you're going to get in trouble. If you do what the spirit wants to do, amen, uh, you're, you're continuing what God wants to do in your life. He's refining you. Every time you submit to the spirit, he's refining you. He, he's making you smoother, amen. You no longer talk like that no more, amen. Now you talk, amen, and, and you're learning big words, amen. And you may not have had an education, amen, and you can't even say it, amen, but God is still using you and God is still refining you. How many know temptation brings us all together? It doesn't have a preference. Your nationality doesn't matter. Your looks don't matter. You'll be tempted. But how many know it's not a sin to be tempted? James 1, 2, and 6 says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work. So that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. He says, I'm testing you because I'm refining you. And when I refine you, you're becoming mature and complete, not lacking anything. What's he saying? In the refining process, you learn to trust God with everything you have. And when we learn to trust God, we won't be lacking anything. But then look at verse 5. If any of you lack wisdom, you should ask God. Who gives generously to all without finding fault. See, the problem is we don't ask God for wisdom first. He's talking about when you go through trials here and testing. Ask God for wisdom. Because how many know our flesh is stupid? Your flesh will do what it wants to do. Your flesh is spontaneous. That's why you always get in trouble. I get a big amen from the front row here, man. (laughs) Verse 12 says, blessed is the one who perseveres on the trial because having stood the test, that person received the crown of life the Lord has promised. Verse 13, when tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed. Look at verse 15. Then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it's full grown, gives birth to death. To death. See, how many know that a lot of times, oh, I'm, I'm spiritual. And this and no, if you're tempted in one area, don't go around it. Don't go around it. As spiritual as we all want to be, we are still made of this flesh. And when the flesh meets the flesh, you throw out the spirit. Remember that. The temptation you underestimate will become the sin that overtakes you. Don't say, I'm strong. I got this. It's, it's not about being smart. Joseph could have said, no, God, it's me and you. But what did he do? He ran. Look at your neighbor. Tell him, run, Forrest, run. He ran. Joseph was there, and he was saying, God, uh, I'm being tested here. Uh, uh, I, I could give in to this temptation, and whatever your temptation is, lust, giving, amen, forgiving, all that stuff. Uh, I want to give it. No, he ran. That's wisdom. Some of you are too proud to run. That's why you always give in to that temptation. How many know temptation will always make promises it can't keep? Temptation will lie to you. It'll promise you things and not deliver. It'll promise you freedom, but make you a slave. 
It'll promise you happiness, but still your joy. It'll promise you pleasure, but only uh, create pain. See, the enemy will never attack strength. He'll always attack weakness. So if you don't know what your weakness is, you're in trouble. How many know we all have blind spots? We need people in our lives who love us enough to tell us the truth. Do you have friends around you that tell you the truth or just that agree with you all the time, even when you're wrong? That's okay. God will forgive you. No, we need, we need people that are going to tell us the truth. See, a friend will not only protect you from your enemies, but will also protect you from yourself. Joseph gets thrown into prison. He did all the right things, and it got worse. He was there. He handled temptation right, and, and God says, wait a minute. I'm not done testing you yet. So now he's in prison because they lied about him. I mean, just because people lie about you, you shouldn't get bent out of shape. Keep serving the Lord. Keep being faithful. Keep going forward. Keep going and say, God, I trust you, God, uh, and what you say and what you promised me, and I'm going to stand on those promises. In the prison, you learn to overcome self-pity. Genesis 39, 20 talks about that. See, the common thread that runs through Joseph's life is the Lord was with him. The favor of God was with him. Joseph doing all the right things and ending up in all the wrong places, but the Bible says the favor of God was with him. In Genesis 39, 2, it says the Lord was with him and blessed him greatly. In verse 3 and 6, it says Potiphar noticed that the Lord was with Joseph and put him over everything he had, and the Lord began to bless Potiphar's household. Verse 21, the Lord was with Joseph there too in prison and granted him favor with the chief jailer, and the jailer put him over all the prisoners and had no worries. I mean, when you do the right things, even though you're in bad situations, the favor of God is on you. Look at your neighbor and say, the favor of God is on you, amen? So don't give up, amen? The favor of God is on you, and he's going to take you to places. Doesn't mean he's not with you. He's still with you. You can have bad things going on all around you, but the favor of God will still rest in you. When you find yourself in pain, it's easy to go through self-pity. Because how many know when you're in self-pity, the only thing you think about is what's happening to you? Oh, they don't pay attention to me. Pastor didn't tell me hi today. I looked at him, and, and he looked the other way. It's because one of your eyes went that way, and now this, this looks cool. <laughs> how many know it's easy to get bitter when you're hurt? Self-pity only focuses on you. How do you overcome self-pity? In chapter 40, verse 6 and 7, it says, The next day Joseph noticed a de dejected look on their faces. He says, Why do you look so worried? He asked. Even in his worst situation, Joseph had compassion for people. Yeah. You want to overcome self-pity? Have compassion for others. Come on. He tested them in the pit, loneliness, disbelief. He went to Potiphar, tested him with him. Now he's in prison, and the Lord is saying, Do you have a love for people? Because if you don't have a love for people, you're not going to do great ministry. Oh, I got a love for ministry. That's not the same because when you get ministry, you're going to realize it's not what it is. Amen. But when you love people, you're doing the same thing when you get ministry. He noticed their pain. That's how we know he had compassion. When you have compassion for people, you're going to notice their pain. Compassion always allows you to notice someone else's pain. The best way to help yourself out of the prison of self-pity is to get your eyes off yourself and help others. Oh, poor me. Stop looking at you. Look at others and see how you, God can use you to meet their needs. 
Chapter 40, verse 9 through 15, remember Joseph interprets the cupbearer's dream. Uh, verse 23, the chief cupbearer didn't re- uh, remember Joseph and said he forgot him. See, some are here in a prison emotionally. You feel like everyone has forgotten you. And you yell out to God, please don't leave me here to die. I thought I had a promise from you. You're in the prison and God's trying to get you to focus on loving others. But you're focused on ministry. I can do this. It doesn't matter. Do you have a heart to love people? Our pastor loves people. You will never hear him talk bad about people because he loves them. Joseph had been dealing with his problems for 13 years. We read it and we think it's just maybe a few months. 13 years and he didn't do nothing wrong. 13 years and God was testing him and God was refining him. You may be here and say, man, God, I've been here serving you, God, but, but God is still testing you. And, and if you're in it for longer, maybe you ain't passing the test. Oh, I passed it. I got a D minus. No, that's not how we passed it. And it takes time to develop the spirit of God in you. God was using Joseph for something great. Joseph didn't know it at the time. But it didn't change his attitude on how he served others and how he served the Lord. And then in Genesis 41, 1 through 14, I'm going to paraphrase it for the sake of time. The cupbearer remembers Joseph after a few years. And then he went and he told the king. And verse 14 says, so Pharaoh sent for Joseph, and he was quickly brought from the dungeon. When he had shaved and changed his clothes, he came before Pharaoh. Why did he have to get cleaned up? Because how many know you dress for where you're going, not for where you have been? Joseph, shave. Joseph, clean up. You know what? I got the call of God in my life. I got the favor of God in my life. I'm going to pick my head up when I walk. Amen. I'm going to go forward and be victorious with the right attitude. Total of 13 years so far. Now the most powerful man on earth was calling for help from the slave. And the last one is the palace. In the palace, he learned to forgive. He learned to forgive. All these up and down, he finds himself face to face with the most powerful man on earth. He would have never made it to this place if he had not learned the power of forgiveness.